financial literacy terms are a taboo in most of our household. So just seeing how such a basic change in the way you relate to money can impact the rest of your finances made me realize that it was it had to be the core of our services. Welcome to Change Machine Radio. We're going to hear a conversation between financial coach Gina Capuchitti and Jumalia Abramson, director of University Neighborhood Housing Programs, Northwest Bronx Resource Center. They're going to be discussing banking trends in the Bronx. This is Gina Capuchitti speaking, and I'm here with Jumelia from University Neighborhood Housing Program, also known as UNHP. Thank you for this invitation. It's great to have you on the show. Today we're going to be getting more about banking and the impact specifically of of inadequate um, banking options in the area where Jumelia works, but also more generally so that all of our Change Machine listeners can um, apply some of the best practices we discuss here into their own lives, regardless of where they live. Um, So just to get started, Jumelia, can you give us a short overview of your organization's services and the role that you play? Certainly. As you mentioned, my name is Jumelia Abramson, and I work with the University Neighborhood Housing Program as the director of the Northwest Bronx Research Center. And the mission of University Neighborhood Housing Program has been for over 30 years to provide and preserve affordable housing to Bronx residents. And we do that in multiple ways. One, through advocacy and research, and then by providing direct services. From the Northwest Bronx Research Center, we provide over seven free financial and housing programs, including free income tax filing, assistant with applying for housing lottery here in New York City. We help seniors and disabled residents freeze their rent. And then we focus largely on financial literacy through individual financial coaching and in workshops. We also partner with um, tenant support unit to provide assistance to residents that are um, being harassed by landlord or having any tenant issues and homeowners that are dealing with foreclosure proceedings. So we see financial coaching as a good way to tie all those services together. Why don't we talk a little bit about the banking landscape specifically where um, you work here in the Bronx? How would you characterize the way the banking system is here in the Bronx? Well, the Bronx, when it comes to bank options, is very limited. So it, it really means that residents in the Bronx need to plan their banking day on a daily basis. They need to make sure they understand where their ATMs are located, where the branches are, that if they need to access funds, that they plan their day accordingly because they're not walking distance or they're located within commercial strips. So if you look at Fordham Road, which is in the Northwest Bronx where we're located, there's over 10 branches within a half a mile Um, radius. And then if you walk north or south of that epicenter, there's a desert of banks and branches, which has been filled by alternative financial services, which are very costly to our consumers. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And just thinking of what you mentioned about planning their banking day, it's something that I see oftentimes with my customers that I meet with here in the Bronx, just about with all the other services that they might be accessing during a given day, not limited to banking. So this is just one piece of the puzzle that they're having to work in to plan these different things in a borough of the city that 
does lack a lot of the resources that are available in some of the other boroughs. Correct. So that makes it that much harder just to get ahead, Mm -hmm. to make sure that if you're struggling with your banking needs, that your credit or your housing or all these other components to your life are functioning and you can achieve financial stability. Mm-hmm. So um, let's um, start the conversation about what priorities your um, your customers have when they're looking into banking options. Uh, what do they seem to prioritize above other factors when deciding how to bank or where to bank? Usually banking becomes a priority if either you're on check system or your current bank account um, is costing you a lot because of overdraft fees or high maintenance. So when those emergency cases come in, the priority is making sure that the, the customer understand what other options are available, where they live, where they work, where they go to school, where they workship. Because like I mentioned before, you have to make sure that it's something sustainable, that it's a bank that it's going to be where you're often residing or in the neighborhood. But one of the The biggest, the most common barrier that we see with Bronx resident is this distrust on financial institution. The fear that the product that I'm signing up for, that there's a lack of transparency or that it's not going to be affordable long term. And a distrust that my funds are not going to be protected because we work with a lot of immigrants who in their home country, the bank has closed and they lost um, a lot of their money or all of their money. Uh, or it's it's not FDIC insured. So just making sure that we debunk some of, some of those myths to make sure that people understand the security in the U.S. And you mentioned the distrust that immigrants oftentimes do have in terms of the security of the banking system. Are those myths something that they'll come out and say right off the bat? It depends on the individual, but oftentimes people are very vocal of those fears, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the distrust. They they want to make sure that what they're signing up, it's something that they can fully understand. They'll share that, but then sometimes there's other reasons tied to that. It could be a language issue, not understanding how to keep the account free because they don't know how to use bill pay or online banking, or it could be that they understand that their income fluctuates And in certain months, they are not going to have that direct deposit that's going to keep that account free. I see a lot of my customers don't always realize that they're having those charges um, attributed to their bank accounts or they don't realize that there are alternative banking options. So some of my customers come in thinking that the $12, $14 monthly maintenance fee they're paying is something that they don't have any way of getting out of. If they want a bank account, they need to pay that $14, um, whatever the specific bank may charge. And I even had one customer last week who mentioned that when I asked if he had a savings account as well, he was like, well, they they told me I had to. Like, there was no other options. So he's paying $17 a month and maintenance fees between his checking and his savings account because he doesn't have the minimum balances to waive that fee. But oftentimes, in my experience, I find that working with customers to identify are they paying fees is one of the first steps. Um, So how does that uh, relationship come up? Is that an issue you find that your customers often have, that they're not always aware of the options to have 
less expensive banking options or that they don't have to be paying so much money to maintain an account. Exactly. We see that a lot also, um, especially with our senior population who is not reviewing their statement on a monthly basis or if they were forced into a bank account to receive their benefits, they're not thoroughly verifying what product they've signed up and if it's the best product that they could be utilizing. So we try to meet the customer where they are. If they're coming to us with a banking question because they are on check system, it's a discussion that it's easier to have because you can review their check system report. If they are already banked, we request to review their current bank statement to identify some of those fees and to make sure that we point out how much they could be saving a year if they're paying any monthly fees or if they're using an ATM that it's not affiliated with their bank. Because sometimes that's where a lot of the monthly expenses, that's where they add up to. Especially, as I mentioned before, where you don't have branches that are close by. But in the case of clients that are not banked yet, it's a little harder. We have to make sure that they're ready to have this discussion. Because otherwise, building on the distrust, it seems like we're trying to get them into a product that they're not ready to embrace. So the check casher may be what they're looking for at that moment, and it may be meeting the needs at the moment. And that's fine, as long as people can realize how much that's costing you and can your household afford it. Yeah, that point definitely resonates with me about, you know, working to build that trust first and not pushing a product on your customer that they're not yet comfortable with. I definitely do have customers who, as well, who aren't yet ready to open up a bank account. They may have fears regarding their immigration process. And while I can provide information to ease certain concerns, Um, I don't want to push something on them that they're not ultimately comfortable with. Um, And just working on those stages and providing people with information. Um, If check cashing is the best method for them and we talk and discuss other options, but ultimately it's the best source, whether it's for financial reasons or because of access, geography in terms of bank accessibility or any other reasons that if the customer knows and is informed about making that decision, that's what's important. So going back to your mantra and our mantra at the financial clinic of meeting our customers where they are, um, that's a big part of it and not pushing a bank account on someone who's not yet ready to embrace that. So once your customers do get banked or are able to access more affordable banking options, what other changes do you um, see they have in their general financial security? Well, we definitely see an immediate change on getting current on other bills that they were probably behind, um, having more funds to buy food, um, put more food on the table. They can potentially pay themselves first now. So that term comes into practice of like, now I can build some savings. Um, I can establish an emergency fund. I can consider of starting a 529 account for my children or thinking of retirement. So then you can really have a, a more complex discussion as to like, what else can you do now that you have five extra dollars a month or 10 or 25, whatever the case may be. So 
Um, for all of our listeners out with Change Machine Radio, what advice do you, would you give to them on what to consider when determining the best bank account for, for themselves? Well, this is where we pulled our handy tool. So we've created a Bronx banking guide, which is available in three languages, um, English, Spanish, and French. And as part of the introduction, we identify four items to consider when opening a bank account. It has to be close to where you live, work, worship, or go to school. It has to um, meet your financial needs in sense of, so like, how can you keep it affordable or free, ideally? either by having direct deposit or meeting a monthly minimum, having it linked to a savings account or whatever the case may be, making sure that it works for you. And also that it's convenient. So you want to make sure that you can, if you're comfortable with online banking, that you it has a portal that you understand that you can easily navigate, that you can do direct deposit. You can take a photo of your check if that's something that you're capable and comfortable with doing while understanding the online security risk and how to navigate those with the right password and the right mechanism. The other one would be how to understand the ATM networks affiliated with that institution you're going to go with. Okay, so to summarize for those four points would be location in terms of proximity to um, the different aspects, important aspects of your life. Second, affordability. Third, convenience in terms of knowing how to manage that account and accessing it appropriately. And four, um, knowing your ATM affiliation so that you can access your banking needs in a way that makes sense for you and doesn't charge you too much. So, Jumelia, how can our listeners access this banking guide? Certainly. So if you visit our website, unhp.org, you can go under publications. There's a tab called guides and there you can find our banking guide as well as the other resources that we have available on our website for free great and we'll also link to that guide the url on our episode notes you've mentioned a few times that a lot of the customers that you have are immigrants and i imagine not all of them have social security numbers so for those customers are there banking options available and if so what steps can can similar individuals take to open up a bank account without a social security number well, the Bronx is very diverse. We do see a lot of immigrants. Um, some uh, are undocumented, but many others are not. But they're still facing similar issues of being underbanked or unbanked. Um, so for those that are undocumented, we encourage our free income tax program. We help them to file their taxes either for the first time and apply for an ITIN which is the individual taxpayer identification number assigned by the IRS, which is a free form that sometimes people are overcharged to obtain this number. And once they've already filed their taxes and have received their ITIN, we then file their state taxes and help them become banked. Um, so we partner with local banks that accept the ITIN or the IDNYC, which is the municipal ID for New York City residents despite their immigration status. Um, we encourage them to have to keep their passport valid, so that way it's another form of ID and they can provide it as a secondary form or primary form when they're opening a, a banking product. 
yeah, and especially around tax season, but really year-round, especially in areas of the city that have large immigrant populations, you see all kinds of advertisements about I-10 numbers being free with tax preparation, but the tax preparation is not free. Another thing that... Um, I would also like to touch upon is um, immigrants who may have received a social security number, but under some sort of restricted um, temporary authorization. So whether it's TPS or DACA, uh, a number of my customers come in with questions about what happens to their social security number after they lose TPS, for example. And uh, even if that um, that individual no longer has legal authorization in the country, their social security number doesn't get erased. So they can continue to file taxes and use it to access credit or banking accounts in the future. Correct. We That's another confusion that we see also, um, especially if the social security is only for work purposes. Okay, Jumelia, so what have you learned and incorporated in your own personal finances throughout your time at the UNHP? Definitely pay yourself first. That's a, one of the simple ways to actually make sure that you value your hard work and then you can reward yourself by buying other things and saving and to use banking and credit as a tool to increase your own buying power. And once people realize that, I think it gives them some reassurance that there's like... Mm -hmm light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Is there any financial goal you've achieved recently that you're excited about? Yes. So I've been improving my credit score, paying off student loans, and I recently purchased a house. So that's one Congratulations. of Congratulations. And I like to practice what I teach. I, I make sure that people understand what we're talking about. And I speak to them from my own experience. I learn with them. I, They can teach me in, in the workshop. I usually learn some of their budgeting techniques. So I make sure that that's a dialogue we keep open. Yeah, that exchange of information is so important. Well, thank you so much for being with us and joining us today, Jamelia. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for inviting me. Check out thefinancialclinic.org slash podcast to learn more about UNHP's work and find their banking guide. Does your organization have a program that contributes to the financial health of individuals or families? Email us at podcast at thefinancialclinic.org. Follow Change Machine Radio on SoundCloud or Apple Music. Don't forget to check out what the Financial Clinic is doing by finding us on Twitter and Facebook.